The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. You're tuned in to Heat Check with Trista Crick. On this episode of the Heat Check... We're heading to the All-Star break. Yes, we are. There is a lot popping around the league. I am going to break down the latest names on the buyout market, Kevin Love, and what that might mean. We finally get around to actually giving Mark Danio some love. People don't even know who that is. People who watch at the NBA don't even know who Mark Danio is, maybe even some of his players, and and much more. It's All-Star week, Nick. Do me a favor. This might be the last episode until we get back. Do me a favor and drop that motherfucking beat. So the All-Star Game is scheduled for Salt Lake City this Sunday. The weekend starts today, tomorrow, tomorrow, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And I've got to say, I'm usually very excited for the All-Star break. One, for myself, and two, I like the festivities. And it seems this year that it's just, maybe it's, just call me someone who's not a huge fan of, of Utah. But I'm just kind of meh on it. Had the opportunity to go, stay for free, and I said, you know what? I'm good. I'm going to stay home. The weather in Utah isn't the only thing that's keeping me from going. Uh, But I think a lot of it does have to do with the fact that it's being held in Salt Lake City, the Mormon capital of the world. I don't even know if I can get a chai latte there. Uh, Also, it's the week after the Super Bowl this time, so let's be honest, I'm kind of tired. And I think we need a full week in between Super Bowl and All-Star like they did it in the good old days. The timing this year, to me, is slightly off. It's a little quick. To just jump right into All-Star break as soon as the Super Bowl is over is just a little too much for me, particularly. Uh, And I don't want to be a downer about it. And I don't want to just hate on it because I love the NBA. But the final straw for me, this was it. Because I had one thing and one thing alone I was excited for. And that was T-Mac, baby T-Mac himself, shade and sharp, participating in the dunk contest. And you know what? I was juiced. I was singing it from the rooftops. Shade in, shade in. Little baby Kobe, little baby T-Mac, going to go out and rip everybody's throats out. And you know what? All of a sudden, he just decides, for no good reason, uh, he said it had something to do with the uh, integrity and like uh, commitment to his team now that he's getting more minutes because Josh Hart got traded or something. He said he's pulling out for team commitment reasons. What the fuck does that mean? Everybody's got a commitment to their team. You're in 13th. Wait, let's look. Let's look really fast. NBA standings. 
I can't even look at so gross on a day-to-day basis. Sir, you're in 12th place in the West. You should be in the dunk contest. Do you remember when Anthony Simons was in the dunk contest and won it? Wasn't that last year? Again, another tanking team. Do you think you guys are coming out of the doldrums to some sort of semblance of a playing team? Get out of here. I'm sorry. And then that might actually be the nail in the coffin for it as a whole because you know who they brought in for Shaden Sharp? No shade to him. Good kid. Mac McClung. Get the fuck, get this shit out of here, man. Mac McClung's like, what, 6'1"? He's a high flyer. The Philadelphia 76ers brought him up from the G League just so he could wear a 76ers jersey. What are we, what are we doing? What are we doing? Now there's like chatter. We talked about it on my social. Why don't we just, why don't we just stop this noise? Why don't we just bring professional dunkers in and see what they can do? These guys don't, they're not committed to the grind of the dunk contest. No. Like, they just happen to be good at it. Jaw just happens to be good. Ant Edwards just happens to be good. Shaden just happens to be good. They're not like everybody loves Chris on TikTok who can do every dunk underneath the sun on every surface underneath the sun. Bring him in. Bring his homies in. Anyway, dunk Dunkademics has a whole account full of dudes. You could just pick out, give a million-dollar prize to whoever wins the dunk contest and make it a thing. Anyway, three-point contest, however, might be lit this year. Look at the lineup. Tyrese Halliburton, Tyler Hero, Buddy Heald, Kevin Herter, Dame Time, Lori Markinen, Julius Randle, and Jason Tatum. The only thing missing is Carl Anthony Towns, but he's hurt as usual, and Steph and Clay. I, uh, I have a ton of love for Damian Lillard here. But I think these young guns are going to want to put on a show. Does anybody love to shoot at volume more than Buddy Heald? No, I don't think anybody does. That's why he has the shortest odds to win the whole damn thing at plus 425. Buddy Heald is going to shoot and shoot some more. He is a great catch-and-shoot shooter. And you got Kings getting Kayvon Herter, Red Velvet in there. Probably the best part of All-Star Weekend right here is the three-point contest, and it takes about 40 minutes. As for the game itself, I have some thoughts. I think there are going to be players who are in very separate camps. You've got one camp, which is I am here at the All-Star break, and it is an incredible accolade, but I have no interest in actually putting any effort thus forth into the game itself. I am here to party and bullshit and party and bullshit. There's a lot of those, right? And then there are guys who say, I do not care. I want to win. Anything I'm at, I'm, I'm going to put my full effort in. I'm going to play like this is a playoff game. I am not trying to get embarrassed out here. So who are the players most likely to mail it in during the All-Star game? Well, number one culprit on this list, very very specifically big culprit like hasn't even hit it and in any way Nikola Jokic Nikola Jokic wants nothing to do with the all-star game he plays almost no minutes he's averaging 6.8 points per game in his four all-star appearances I if you can get player props on Nikola Jokic I would hammer the under he is not doing a goddamn thing he's eating and he's drinking and he's kicking it He's already said that. 
listen, I don't have any business doing anything. Plus, he's a big. We're going to get a lot of players who are guards trying to get their shine. Number two, let's be honest. I hate to say it. I really do because I love him. But John Moran is coming to party. He's not coming to, to do anything else but to enjoy the festivities of the event. And now he's got his teammate there, Jaron Jackson, in his very first All-Star appearance. Did you see Jaw's video from Instagram live, live last year? It was just tequila shot after tequila shot after tequila shot. I would, I would be more inclined to bet that John Morant will get into a fight at All-Star Game than he will be the MVP of the All-Star Game. I know that one is much more likely to, than the other. He had six points in 18 minutes last year. So, yeah. Number three, Luka. Luka's doing nothing. Luka, we already know what Luka wants to do when it's not time to play significant, serious basketball. He chills. He chills. He's going to tell whoever his coach is, hey, put me in for four or five minutes, and I'm just going to chill. I got an ankle injury. Our team's not doing that great. I'm trying to participate with Kyrie. Me and Kyrie might have like a little two-man game, but I'm out. Let him have the shine. He's there for the spectacle, not to put in buckets. Number four, most player, most likely to mail it in, and I'm fine with it, is Joel Embiid. I don't even think Joel Embiid's going to play. Why? He said, I haven't been healthy for three weeks. I've just been trying to get to the All-Star break and figure it out. He said he should have rested two weeks ago. He averages 22-10-2 when he's not banged up. He is very banged up right now. On the flip side of the coin, there are going to be players who are tryhards. Absolutely try their very hardest to get a dub, to show out, to jack up threes, to dunk, all these things. Number one, here's my top five players most likely to try their very hardest and to ball out in the All-Star game. Number one, Giannis. Giannis loves the All-Star game. You bring Giannis's brothers there, you would think that would make him more likely to party and bullshit. No, it is him more likely to show out for his family because that is who Giannis is. He wants the ball in his hands at all times. He's going to shoot a million threes. He is going to dunk. He is going to block shots. He's going to be everywhere. He averages... 29-9-4 in the All-Star game. That is ridiculous. He is your MVP front runner for sure. Number two, and this is all predicated on who's getting minutes. If Ant Edwards gets minutes, he's dunking on people's faces all day long. He is going to do whatever he can to show out. He is going to try to block shots, steal, get out into transition. He didn't think he was playing well enough to make the all-star team, so he is going to show the voters why they made the right decision to let him in as an injury replacement. Number three, Dame Lillard. Number three is Dame Lillard. He is another frontrunner for all-star MVP. No Steph to stop him from shooting from 30 every single time. If he plays on the same team as LeBron, LeBron's going to pass the Dame all day, every day, because you know what time it is. He had 32 the last time that he played in 21. Shea, another likely candidate to ball out. This is a guy who does not get enough shine. If he gets the minutes, he is going to want to show out. I don't think he's got any other gear than to ball the fuck out. I just don't. He drives like 30 times a game. You think he's going to stop doing that in the All-Star game? I do not. Number five, most likely to ball out and to try hard in the All-Star game, D. 
De'Aaron Fox. He operates at Mach 10 at all times. He is a Sacramento king. He is doing this for the beam team. How long is the fan base gone without seeing a Sacramento king in the All-Star game? He's young. He's fresh off of having a baby. That fatherhood juice is running through his veins. I would pick Sabonis to ball out, but he has a hand injury. So number one on that Sacramento Kings team, he's going to show out for him and his teammates. And like last year, probably the most exciting thing about All-Star Weekend is the Rising Stars game. Unfortunately. Everything else is kind of meh. meh. Players are going to be All-Stars soon. Want to get some shine. They want to show the world. Hey, I am good too. Here are the teams. There are four of them. There are Team Deron Williams. By the way, these team coaches, I don't even know how the NBA chose them. We got Deron Williams. We got Joachim Noah. We got Pau Gasol. And you might say, Team Jason, is that white chocolate? No, it's Jason Terry. Who chose these captains? Who? Why'd they do that? Anyway, I digress. So Deron Williams' team has Jalen Green, A.J. Griffin, Bones Highland. Wow, this is a team full of chuckers. Walker Kessler, who I love. Trey Murphy, another chucker. Alperin Shangoon, another chucker. Franz Wagner, another chucker. Wow. 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 This should be a fun team to watch play offense, not defense. Joachim Noah's team. We got Jalen Duran, Josh Giddy, Quentin Grimes, Evan Mobley, Jabari Smith, Jeremy Sohan, and Jalen Williams. I think Joakim Noah got the best interesting team. He's got Josh Giddy, he's got Quentin Grimes, and the guards along with Jalen Duran and Evan Mobley in the middle. This is the most like, okay, this is a real basketball team. Like this is a team you could actually see playing competitive hoops. You add in Jeremy Sohan, who's a defender and is shooting some better uh, with his new one-handed situation. You got Jalen Williams with the E. This team should ball out. Pau Gasol, his team. Jose Alvarado, Paolo Bencaro, Scotty Barnes, Jaden Ivey. Did he choose these? Benedict Matherin, Keegan Murray, and Andrew Nemhard. Probably the most talented team out of all four, by far. These guys, athletically in their own way, elite. Paolo, obviously a monster. Scotty Barnes can do a million things. Jose Alvarado is going to get under your skin and try very hard the entire time. He's going to go 100 miles a minute. Jaden Ivey, we already know what time it is with Jaden Ivey. He's like just going to chuck and do these crazy jaw-like things. Benedict Matherin, same deal. Keegan Murray's going to try to calm the team down. Right, simmer them down, guys. Like we just just play our defense, stay in ourselves. Keegan Murray is going to be the dad of the group, and then Andrew Nemhard. Who knows why he's there? He's been okay, but who? I I honestly don't know why he was chosen. No shade, but honestly, I don't know. And then Team Jason Terry, which is the G League team. Guys, I'm not even going to mention all of them because you don't know who they are. The top names: Scoot H- Henderson, Mac McClung, Kenny Lofton Jr. Wild choice. Scotty Pippen Jr. Okay, just a very fascinating team of G League dudes who want to prove to the assembled lottery picks, Jose Alvarado not included, that they belong there. Scoot Henderson specifically wants to show he should be the number one overall pick. 
yeah, this is the high- highlight of the All-Star Weekend. It's going to get chippy. It's going to get fun. We'll be back to recap the weekend's festivities. Uh, but the truth of the matter is, I have never been more underwhelmed by an All-Star Weekend in my life. I might not even watch. If I didn't have to bet it, didn't have to work, there's nothing of value there that we can take. It's not like, oh, hey, you missed the All-Star game. You're not a real NBA person. That's just not true. On to the news from around the league. On we go. So I was so happy for Kevin Love and his ride-or-die partner, Ricky Rubio, coming back to the Cleveland Cavaliers. I was so excited for that duo to continue their reign in Cleveland. And then all of a sudden, Kevin Love gets injured, and now in a very surprising move, Cavaliers and Kevin Love are negotiating a buyout. What? I mean, it is not shocking that he would get a buyout. It is just shocking that the buyout comes now. He has been on this Cavs team since I was not even in the business. I was was selling mutual funds when Kevin Love got traded to the Cleveland Cavaliers. He has seen his playing time drop from 20 minutes a game to half that and now 12 straight DMPs. I don't know if it's injury. I don't know if it's like, hey, we're just going to let you ice your knees for a while. But I don't think it's acrimonious or bad blood at all. I think it's more just the realization that Kevin Love would like to play somewhere else. And what he's going to do, which is play on the perimeter, does not necessarily fit what the Cavs are always trying to do, especially since they have Donovan Mitchell now, Darius Garland. They got some young guys they want to give some minutes to, and Kevin Love doesn't necessarily fit into that mode. But I don't think it actually means that Kevin Love can't be useful. In the first 12 games of the season, Kevin Love averaged 12, 8, and 2 in 21 minutes. Teams are going to be excited to get him. In a way, it's, it's kind of sad. This is the end of an era, right? It's the end of the LeBron James era. He was the only vestige of the Strifer greatness in Cleveland era. And by all accounts, everyone has every, always said, Kevin Love is a great teammate, except for that one little, like, four-week span where he was, like, throwing basketballs at his teammates and, like, not playing when they were playing. Do you remember that? that there was a time where Kevin Love was quiet quitting, uh, outside of that time, he's been tremendous. According to Shams, the Miami Heat are lurking for him. And they probably aren't really someone that could actually get him. This is kind of like when you break up and you've got a longtime best friend and they've got a crush on you and you have no feelings back for them. And they think just because you're single now, they have a shot. The Miami Heat do not have a shot with Kevin Love at all. Like, no shot. They are, Miami Heat, you are in the friend zone. I am sorry. Uh, Shams reported, have been told the Heat are prioritizing something big over Russell Westbrook or Patrick Beverly. So Kevin Love or Serge Ibaka appear to be priorities. Okay, well, you prioritize and he'll prioritize, and we'll see where that leaves you. Uh, makes sense, though, from a basketball perspective. He was shooting 41% from three in the first fifth of the season. He can pull down rebounds. We know that's what he does really well. He's a rebound monster. Both things that the Heat need desperately. They're bad at both of those outside of, say, Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. Regardless, 
I like that this is a bio where it's nice. There's this nice, peaceful, uh, un. You know, you see things get a little ugly down the stretch with buyouts. Same thing that's going to probably happen with, say, like a Russell Westbrook or John Wall in Houston. That got ugly. The return, I thought, of Ricky Rubio gave me some hope. Uh, but now it is time to take his game to another contender. And that, the latest rumors, are that the Warriors are interested in both. <sighs> that makes sense. They've never found a replacement for Bielicha or Otto Porter. But the wild thing is that if he does sign with the Heat, that might mean a Cavs-Heat first-round matchup. And if that does happen, I think Kevin Love does go off for one game against the Cavs. Especially if you're a Cavs fan, I think you have to be fearful of that because the universe is always undefeated. Moving on. I guess it was bound to happen. But uh, our, our favorite Bible thumper, our favorite... Holy water whisperer, our favorite summer salter, uh, Joe Missoula, was officially named the Celtics head coach permanently on Thursday morning. Even if it's deserved, which, like, I'm not here to say yay or nay on that, but, like, it's weird. It's weird. I'm confused. Because the reason I had heard that they didn't announce him already, the permanent head coach, is because they would have to fire Ime Udoka, you already have a current head coach. You can't have two current head coaches. You have one current head coach who is suspended. So the other one's an interim until you figure out what to do with the one that's suspended but it's really done, right? So what are you doing now? There's intricacies here that I am not able to comprehend. I thought Ime at this point was still suspended, unless I missed something. Are they firing him for cause? Is that the next domino to fall? I couldn't find any information that he's on the website, Ime Udoka's still on the website right now, like this very second. Numerous sources reported that the Celtics did a bunch of due diligence before suspending Udoka to protect themselves from a wrongful termination lawsuit. So what happens next? That's why they didn't fire him. They did not want to get sued. I imagine that there is going to be an announcement happening about Udoka's status soon. And the rumors are that most likely uh, Udoka might go back to San Antonio. Congratulations to Joe Missoula. God was on your side. He always was willing uh, to move mountains uh, in order for you to be in this spot. Your time is here. Now it is time for you to serve out your Lord and Savior's purpose, which is to get these Celtics, which I think is like an Irish Catholic thing, a championship ring. Joe, I'm sure, is doing somersaults uh, in the locker room right now, and he will be for many, many years. We don't talk enough about the OKC Thunder, do we? We don't really say much. They are the most fun team that gets under discussed, mostly because I think we're still waiting for them to tank. We're still waiting for them to do nothing. Uh, and also, in particular, nobody speaks about their head coach because I don't think they know what his name is. I don't think they know how to pronounce it. I don't think they know what he looks like, honestly. Uh, if you were to say to 50 Decently casual to serious NBA fans who the head coach of the OKC Thunder was? I bet you four would say they knew who it was. And they and about two would get it right. I think there's no more under-the-radar coach than Mark Dagno. Dagno. It's hard to say, too. You just kind of say, yeah, 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 that Mark guy. All he does, though, is have OKC prepared to cover every single game, if not win outright. They've been the toughest team to kill 
the past two years. How do we know it? They have been destroying Vegas. This team has been killing against the spread at a higher rate than any other team in the NBA these past two seasons, including the Memphis Grizzlies, which were the runaway against the spread leader last year. Vegas doesn't know who Mark Dagno is either. <laughs> Vegas does not care. Vegas is underestimating the Thunder. And so much, I think, has to do with that with Sam Presti, who we've given love to on the pod before, and Mark Dagno, who we need to give love to more. So that's what this is about. That's what we're going to do. This year has been spectacular, uh, considering that it started with the Thunder losing out on Chet Holmgren for the year. He hurt himself with his Frank injury. I think he stepped on a wet floor, and all of a sudden, boom, boom. Before camp even started, he was done for the year, shut down. They're currently 28-29, and 10th place, which if you're a Blazer fan, you realize that's two spots better than you, a team that actually wants to win. SGA taking the next step. Josh Giddy is a monster. He's elevated his game. He's an elite point guard as well. The rookies have been really great. Jalen Williams, we love both of them. The team has 12 players under the age of 24. So they're very good. They're very fun. They're very exciting. The oldest player is 28, Kenrick Williams. Dario Saric, who's probably going to get bought out. They're 500 team with three rookies and six second-year professionals. That's ridiculous. A team that's 500 just rocking with the young guns. And with the baby lineup, Dagno has been a masterful coach, right? He has minutes to everyone so they can continue to develop. The rookies who have benefited from his caretaking, Jalen, J-Dub, and J-Will, and Usman Jang, who rarely gets talked about, have been really good. If you look at Jalen Williams with an E, he's currently averaging 12, 4, and 3 in around 28 minutes this year as a rookie. He's been getting better as the season has progressed as well. The, the OKC Thunder did an incredible job of getting him out of value. His length, his athleticism, GMs drool over that. And one of the major reasons that he leads the rookies in steals is that. So in a recent interview, this is where we're going, this is where the uh, whole point of this piece is, is all about Jalen Williams and what he thought when he was drafted by OKC. He said, yeah, it was cool to be called with Chet and Usman Jang, and then they picked Jalen Williams with the Y. It was a really cool and surreal moment. I think it was full circle, too, because I had a really good workout in Oklahoma. It was a cool vibe going into it. And when I was out there, I thought this wouldn't be a bad place to be. I really enjoyed my visit. I talked to Sam Presti. So nothing's out of the ordinary here, right? Everything seems to be just pretty normal. OKC is noted for being very professional, extremely well-respected by their peers and other teams for how they run their ship. But then, then it gets really interesting. Jalen Williams said this. It was the only place where the coach, Mark Dagnell, ran the entire workout. I'm going through the workout saying, this guy's pretty good. I had no idea he was the head coach until afterwards. He laughs. We had a cool interaction. Mark was talking to me the whole time. I had no idea who he was. I was thinking he was a trainer or somebody. The head coach ran the pre-draft workout alone and Jalen didn't tell Jalen Williams, say I'm also the head coach. And think about this. Jalen Williams probably watched the NBA, had no idea who Mark Dagnio was. If this was, I don't know, Mark D'Antoni, Mike D'Antoni, if it was Doc Rivers, if it was any of the other 29 coaches in the NBA, he would know who they were, right? If it was Ty Lue, he's not going to be like, oh, yeah, I thought Ty Lue was a trainer. No, Mark Dagno, he thought was some rando assistant 
that was just so hands-on and so diligent that he wanted to run it and prove to the powers that be that he could run a workout this important. No, this was Mark Dagnon, the head coach of the OKC Thunder. In a nutshell, this is why he's awesome. Blue-collar coach, not afraid to get his hands dirty, uninterested in any shine, could not ask for a better fit for OKC, and the kind of guy that Sam Presti wants in charge of a team full of young guys. Players want to respect who they're playing for. Mark Dagnon is no frills, no bullshit, and is getting the respect of his players immediately. You have all those guys, and then you have Chet and a healthy Poku, maybe probably Victor or Scoot, and or the Thompson twins, and then you bring in a free agent. Oh, my God. This is a contender in, like, five years. As uh, someone who's been on the Kings before the start of the season, I think it's been gratifying to see the Kings getting a lot of national love. Uh, from ESPN to The Athletic, everyone is starting to see the Kings as the incredible, fun, and exciting team that they are, right? And I think that the real game changer for the Kings, and I think we can all agree, is uh, it's Demonis Savonis. Demonis Savonis is the, the engine that makes the Kings go. Remember when people were slamming that trade a year ago, today, almost today? Like, yeah, they're like, oh, yeah, this is malpractice. They shouldn't have let Tyrese Halliburton go. No, no, that was the right move. And now he's an all-star again, as he should be. Uh, what I do want to focus on, though, is that Sabonis and De'Aaron Fox are now getting shine. They have multiple features written about them. They recently were on the cover of Slam magazine, breaking down the pick and roll. And Kyrie Irving just admitted in a post-game presser after a win against them that he read the article carefully looking for ways to defend it. And he said, that's pretty cool. It shows a level of respect, Sabonis said. So the meat of this new athletic article that came out was about Sabonis' relationship with Mike Brown, which is kind of funny because I remember the start of the season being like, Sabonis looks fucking awful. Turns out the relationship with Mike Brown and Demona Sabonis started out a little rocky. He said, before we came to a better understanding, it was pick and roll, roll out the way, seal your defender, dunker. It was obviously things that I can do, but my strengths are in different areas that other bigs don't have, like playmaking in the post, in the little areas where I thrive. Sounds like uh, Mike Brown was trying to get him to be Kevon Looney, and he was like, yo, no, I'm not Kevon Looney, okay? Like, I am much better than Kevon Looney. Uh, should not shock anyone that it took a little time for the two to get on the same page, right? I saw Sabonis, like I said, second, third game of the year, and I'm like, this is not, he does not look good out there. He looks confused. He looks slow. He does not look like he knows where he needs to be. So apparently it took a little time for Mike Brown and him to figure things out, to get Demonis where he needed to be. And – Remember, Mike Brown came from Golden State where Draymond Green was the center of the defense and Jordy Fernandez, who the King, who's the Kings' lead assistant, came from Denver where the entire offense revolves around Jokic. So they want a passing big man in the center. Uh, Sabona said this about the early days. As the year went on, we definitely learned from each other, and it's like you said. I feel like I had to show him in person, and it was easier for him to trust me to do what I do. It's been great now. For most of the season, it's been great. But that beginning was a bit tough for me because I was trying to figure out the offense and how to be myself at the same time trying to figure out what coach wants me to do. That's something I've experienced probably with every coaching staff, you know. At the beginning, it's always, okay, how do I figure out what they want and at the same time be myself? I know what I can do and I have confidence in myself. Man, did it work out. They figured it out pretty fast too. Sabonis so is now an all-star. He is deserving. The Kings are in third place in the West for the last month now. 
showing no signs of that going away. And then you add in De'Aaron Fox, who is a bona fide all-star, finally getting some shine as well. I love the supporting cast around him. I love Kevin Herter. I like uh, Malik Monk. Keegan Murray's a nice little rookie piece. Harrison Barnes is doing things. They got not a lot of depth, but a ton of talent. But in terms of where the Kings go, goes as far as where Sabonis takes them. And unfortunately, as we know, he's been dealing with a hand injury, a thumb injury. Probably should have given him surgery for it. And he doesn't want that because he wants to take this team to the playoffs. He said, obviously it's in pain. And knowing the timeline of surgery was six to eight weeks to miss, that's like 25 games. And he didn't want to let his teammates down. So he opted to just play through the pain. I guess it's not getting any worse. So he's playing through pain, getting just these absurd stats uh, for the rest of the season. He hasn't really slowed down at all. He's averaging 18, 12 and a half, and 7. For a guy with no thumb, that's pretty damn good. So as long as Sabonis is relatively healthy, the Kings are a dangerous, dangerous team. And whoever came out and said negative things about the Sabonis trade, delete your fucking account. Rockets the benefit of the doubt, but I just can't. I just cannot. They are a dumpster fire. They continue to surprise me in the most awful way uh, humanly possible. Um, last time we checked on the Rockets, Stephen Silence was throwing his team under the bus. Remember, he was like, oh, yeah, they're not playing on the defensive end. They don't get after it. Remember, Eric Gordon was saying things about how they're not improving uh, they're not getting into their man. They're fighting over over things and not helping each other, not doing what they're supposed to do. Pretty much an indictment of this entire team not being on the same page. And the Rockets are awful. They're the worst team in the league. They're 13-45, and 45, and that's the worst worst record in the NBA by, by a long shot. They are 1-9 in their last 10. This is not a good team, right? But there's a lot of not good teams. This this is like a infested organization, though. And the more you look into it, the more you say to yourself, what is happening there? How do you fix it? Because it is really off the rails. So now we've got some new news on some more things that apparently are disturbing as it relates to their third overall pick from last year's draft, Jabari Smith Jr. Yeah, he's an absolute mess. They broke him. I'm going to say it again. Houston Rockets have broken Jabari Smith. According to Mark Spear at Anscape, Apparently, the Thunder, which has nothing to do with the Rockets, but the Thunder promised Jabari that they would draft him at number two overall, a belief that they extended all the way through draft night, which, let's be honest, they probably also said that. The Thunder probably also said that to Chet. They knew Jabari, or at least assumed that Jabari wouldn't be available, so they were just trying to kind of like, I don't know, appease him. His dad then told Mark Spears when they called Chet Holmgren's name, he lost it. Leg went to shaking. I looked at him. He's in tears, almost in tears. And I forgot that he told me OKC promised to draft him. So I kept my mouth closed about that. I talked to him, and I'm like, well, hey, what are you doing? Straighten your face, man. You good. You good. You good. You know, the camera was right at our table. Bro, can you blame him? He thought he was going to play for Mark Dagno, 
who we probably did not know, and Sam Presti, and OKC with a bunch of bucket getters that also passed the ball around to going to Houston. Post-James Harden, Houston. Gross. I would be in tears too. And this year has been a disaster. They have broken him. He is the worst he's maybe ever been in his career right now. Just off the radar. The fact that he's in the Rising Stars Challenge is really sort of a loose interpretation of rising star, right? Like right now he is a falling star, and eventually he will rise again like a phoenix out of the ashes when he gets the fuck out of Houston or they sell the team or get rid of Stylus or something. But right now he is not a rising star. Jabari Smith is a falling star. He is averaging 12-7-1, which is like fine. But he's shooting 30% from three, 39% from the field as a whole. This is a guy if you remember, that everyone said largely was the best pure shooter in the league or best pure shooter in the draft. He has the best jumper in the draft class. So then when, um, amazingly, so they asked Steven Silas about all this, right, for the article. And you would assume that Steven Silas would say positive things about Jabari, right? Protect his guy, make him feel good, knowing that it's going to get published. I don't know, something. Do something, Steven. Like, figure it out. Know that your your player's confidence is at an all-time low and maybe figure out a way in print form to boost it. No, 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 no. He didn't. He said this. Jabari is young and trying to find his way. He has grit and toughness and tries defensively. And he's not given much at all. I don't run any plays for Jabari Smith. You don't run any plays for Jabari Smith. Your number three overall pick the guy that everyone thought was a consensus number one overall pick. You don't run any design plays for him. None. You don't feel like that's maybe something you should reconsider? I don't know. Like you don't think that's maybe something to evaluate about you? No wonder Jabari is upset. He's probably in tears on a regular basis, honestly. Let's be honest. If I was stuck in Houston, that is a jail sentence in the NBA. All you have to do while you're biding your time before free agency, read books, uh, try to figure out, maybe become like a lawyer like they do in jail. You know, they just figure out a new craft, a, a new hobby, a Ph.D. program. Jabari, do something with your time because you're locked up like Akon right now. And there's really no uh, point for you to focus on your relationship with Houston Rockets because they clearly don't focus on the relationship with you. Jabari said this in terms of how his rookie year has gone. Probably you would imagine it's not going well for him. Let's check in on him, though. He says, yes, it's been tough, honestly, because I feel like I've been winning all the way up to this point. So it's just knowing it'll get brighter down the road and just trusting the process and staying with it. It will not get brighter down the road. <laughs> I hate to say it. Until you get out of Houston, maybe you end up going to Philadelphia because James Harden wants to end up back in Houston. Maybe strippers and foie gras-infused lobster hamburgers that James Harden loves so much, maybe hookah is your way out. Maybe somehow, some way you can get a reprieve. But there is no bright days coming for you when you are in Houston. I promise you that. All of this is an example that the spot you land is everything. 
So much of the draft is where you go. And let's face facts, there is no worse spot for a young three-point shooting big man to go than the Houston Rockets. You have Jalen Green, you have Kevin Porter Jr., you have Josh Christopher, you have Alperin Shangoon, and they all want that ball, and they don't want you to have it. And that is the truth. Even if you're wide open, jumping up and down under the basket, they are not giving you the ball. We can only imagine what Jabari would be in OKC. We could only imagine what Jabari would be in Orlando, even. But I promise you, this is the worst spot for him, for his confidence, and he's a nice kid. He's a little too nice for Houston, if you know what I'm saying. He's the kind of kid that gets sucked into thinking that if you go upstairs to the champagne room, you only have to pay for the one song. You doesn't know that every new song that she plays, you have to pay more money for. And you come out, you're like, oh, $27,000 to Cayenne, right? Like that's Jabari Smith. One thing is for sure. Jabari's rookie year has gone far worse than any pundit or any draft expert could have ever, ever predicted. Will he ever become a star? I don't know. Time will tell. But he's going to need to get out of H-Town in order for us to find out. So we talked last episode about the Warriors and how they were upset with uh, my Portland Trailblazers. And uh, for not disclosing the seriousness, the severity of Gary Payton's injury. The derailed, almost, A-14 trade that sent out Sadiq Bey, James Wiseman, Kevin Knox, and about a gajillion second-round picks, right? So they were upset with the Gary Payton trade. Golden State ended up taking on Gary Payton. But to say that they are pissed is an understatement. They've already had the league look into it. They've already launched uh, a formal investigation. But now there's more. Yep, I just looked, I Googled it today, and I was like, what's up with the Warriors? Are they over it? Have they calmed things down? Are they chill? No, they are not chill. According to Chris Haynes, the Warriors are now encouraging the league front office to investigate all of Portland's trades over the last few years. Hey, I I think they're fucked up in general. I think you guys need to look into some stuff. Like, it kind of looks like they're not just selling dimes and nickels. They're, They're pushing major weight. I think that they are... Full-fledged shady. Why? Why do they want the front office to look into the Blazers? Well, they assert that the Blazers, just as a matter of course, keep screwing teams over by hiding injuries. Can't you just leave well enough alone, Golden State? No, they cannot. Apparently, it's not just the Peyton trade. As Haynes reported, I was told that they've urged the league to look into Portland's dealing with New Orleans last year when it was the C.J. McCollum-Larry Nance trade. They've urged the league to look into that, particularly Larry Nance Jr., because they believe that a similar incident happened in that deal, and they feel like the Blazers may have a pattern of doing something where they're either withholding information or presenting misleading information. And so without having all the details, what I do know is the Warriors have made it clear to the league that they need to look into that trade from last year. Snitch, snitch, snitch. What are the Warriors doing? That had nothing to do with them. The optics are not good at the moment. Right after Nance was traded to New Orleans, he had surgery on his right knee and missed more than 10 weeks. Whoopsie. 
He didn't see that either. He was healthy. He was healthy. Uh, this is how I know that the Warriors are pissed. Because if Adam Silver finds that they've done shit wrong, they're going to lose draft picks. They're going to get fined. And the kicker, uh, there's pretty much nothing at this stage that would actually benefit the Warriors beyond just snitching. They get nothing from this. I don't know. Maybe that's why they couldn't find a buyer for Nurk at the deadline because he had his calf injury. I don't know if Portland is guilty at all, but what I do know is the Warriors have it out for Portland, and they do have a little bit of history. That's all the time that we have for the Heat Check. Check back Monday for an all-new episode. Do not forget to watch that feed for past episodes, interviews, bonus episodes that drop unexpectedly throughout the week. Please follow us on every single social channel at this Heat Check on TikTok, at Trista Crick on Twitter, Instagram, Trista Crick on TikTok as well. Tell all your friends, please, please download the pod. Please subscribe to the pod. Please write nice things about the pod. We still have people who are hating, being trollers, and trolling in the comments. So help me out. And uh, also, by the way, the heat check never sleeps, even after the trade deadline. But hopefully, at some point, I can. Talk to you guys soon.